the Radical Secular Podcast, a demand for justice, equality, and rational public policy. Subscribe at YouTube, Apple Podcasts and all the major podcast channels. Visit our website at theradicalsecular.com for articles, insights, and our complete library of episodes. Support us on Patreon and follow us on social media. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Radical Secular Podcast. I'm Christoph Defoe. I'm Sean Prophet. I'm Joe Okipinti. I'm Penn Okipinti. We were off last week for Christmas, but we could not, in good conscience, leave our dedicated audience in the lurch for two Mondays in a row. So you'll be treated to our thoughts about and reactions to Netflix sensational new production, Don't Look Up. Is the movie any good? What points is the film trying to make? Is it successful? Stick around and find out. But first, I want to remind you that if you like our show, to make sure to subscribe, leave a review, check out our Patreon, and tell your friends to listen. New episodes post Mondays at noon Eastern on YouTube and on all the major podcast channels. We also publish new articles regularly in our journal at theradicalsecular.com. All right, let's get right into the t-shirts. Joe, what do you have? Well, I know this movie is really a dark comedy satire, but it really does speak to science Mm -hmm. and our relationship with science in this society. So it seems like an appropriate shirt. Perfect. Definitely. Right on point, man. Um, and we are joined today by Joe's son, Penn. Penn, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about your t-shirt? Uh, hello. So a bit about myself. Yeah, my name is Penn. Uh, I'm non-binary. I'm 23. And I study game design in uh, Fitchburg State. So I love the movie. And the shirt I'm wearing uh, is Godzilla. <laughs> because... Basically, the they're all disaster movies, and this was in essence a disaster movie. Mm. But um, I just wanted had the idea of now seeing a Godzilla movie that also hit the societal response as accurate as, as this one did. Really great points, Penn. Really appreciate you being here and contributing to the conversation today. I think the Godzilla shirt is right on point. And um, I will get into the feelings about the movie, but that sort of f- sort of disaster movie feel that you're talking about, uh, that was that was definitely the vibe. <laughs> For sure. Um, Sean, <laughs> Sean, go ahead. Well, my shirt is uh, straightforward. It says, want results, try the scientific method. And so, <laughs> yep. Um, I, I don't, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of on the nose and the entire film is like, you know, hitting people over the head with, you know, Hey, you know, listen to fucking science, damn it. And that's, that's, yeah, I, I, we, we've been all saying it for 50 years and, you know, or longer. I mean, it's the first articles about climate change came out, you know, over 200 years ago. Like yeah. they, they were doing calculations about coal burning and, um, you know, right at the start or even before the start of the Industrial Revolution. And uh, they knew then that it was going to be a problem. So science. Unreal. <clears throat> Unreal. And, and of course, right on point. And by the way, we didn't coordinate this, everybody out there. Um, <laughs> we didn't coordinate this. We all just sort of came up with this. Um, it, it, I think it speaks to a lot of uh our takeaway from the film. I know for me, my shirt is the um, the Darwin fish, uh, but with the science in the middle, right? And the rocket fins. Right, and the rocket fins. Um, and so, 
my takeaway, and we'll get into this, um, it, it definitely, let's put it this way. One of the things that struck me the most about the movie was the vibe of of just despair among the scientists themselves, right? Like, just like, they were like having a mental breakdown, right? Mm-hmm. And um, at being having the truth and having no one listen, it feels like you're insane. Um, and that's sort of a lot of the vibe. So anyway, um, before we get into the body of the show, though, I'd like to announce our new official sponsor, Cannibal and Company, a small business located in my hometown of Jersey City and at shopcannibal.com. Now, that's Cannibal with a K, and they stock a rotating collection of, of goods ranging from apparel and accessories to home furnishings and fine jewelry. Cannibal weaves its forward-thinking vision together with its traditional roots to provide an expertly curated experience of unique and locally sourced finds. We are grateful to Cannibal for sponsoring our show, and you all should go there and begin shopping immediately. Uh, I'd also (laughs) like to thank everyone out there who supports the Radical Secular through Patreon. Um, We are a labor of love, and every penny you send us goes toward our production costs. Your support is a tangible expression of your confidence in what we're doing here, and we really are deeply grateful for that. And we're grateful for all of our listeners um, and and viewers. So... um, Let's, but especially the ones who pay. Uh, (laughs) Let's let's, let's dive into our conversation for today. Um, And fair warning, everyone, our discussion will ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it. Spoilers will abound. So if you haven't watched the film yet, go watch it and then come right back here and witness our brilliant analysis. It'll be the best analysis you've heard. The very, very best. We only have the best here. Um, Also, our conversation today assumes the audience's familiarity with the film, so please don't expect us to provide a bunch of descriptions about the characters, the plots. We're really just going to get right into it. And okay, so with those disclaimers safely behind us, and before we discuss specific elements of the of the movie, uh, I'd like to do like uh, kind of a lightning round. Uh, So I'm going to start with you, Joe, right off the bat. Uh, What did you did you like the film or did you not like like the film? Uh, Yes or no? Christoph, you know how much I hate yes and no questions. <laughs> um, hard to answer that one. I actually, you know, I'm going to watch it again, I think. And I thought it, I, I want everyone to watch it. I think it's a very important film for everyone to watch. But did I like it? Hell no. You know, I mean, I, I loved it as a film, but it was painful for me. Uh, it's excruciating at some points, actually. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, but man... I tell you, the fact that we have to have this film and that it's such a controversy, it's just, you know, says it all. It, it really, really does. It really does. Um, uh, for, uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll let you go, Sean. Yes or no? What do you think? I love the film. It was an important film. I, my capsule review is it's very much, you know, it has elements of network, of course. And certainly, you know, other people have mentioned Dr. Strangelove. I don't necessarily mm. uh, uh, see that as much. But what I really think about this film is that it is a mirror. It is a mirror for everyone. Mm-hmm. If you have psychological issues, if you're unresolved, if you don't understand what's going on, you're going to have a problem with this film. And we see that on on the conservative side and the liberal side, all sorts of people complaining. And what they're actually seeing is their own uh, sort of contribution to the non-response to this issue. This is going to make everyone feel uh, something. And, you know, your jaw is going to be on the floor in places. You'll be laughing in places. You'll be it's poignant in places, tragic in places. Uh, It's got it all. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to diving into this. Awesome. Awesome. And um 
I, I, I did like the film. Um, I thought it was really well done. And, and that's not to say that it was enjoyable to watch, um, but it was it was it was really well done. And, and frankly, in a lot of ways, it was amusing. It was I thought it was the way they did it was really cleverly done. Um, I love DiCaprio just in general. I think he's just so great. And I love his commitment to this issue um, in general uh, as a person who really has it all. Um, he has made this his life's work, essentially, uh, next to next to acting. Um, and it was just so on point and and frank about about why humanity specifically, like why we are failing to do this, right? On so many levels, it gets at that. And I thought that was, uh, and human nature in that sense. So I thought that was, uh, that was really, really fascinating. So um, I um, also want to give you, Penn, an opportunity to talk about this. And so why don't you let us know? Here's, the floor is yours. We're really just grateful to have you here. I think your perspective as a unique individual, but also as a young person will be a really amazing and enlightening perspective. So you have the floor. What is your reaction to uh, to the movie? Thank you. I love the movie. I agree with like pretty much everything you guys said. I think everyone should watch this and it really does hit the like nail on the head with a lot of issues that society faces right now. Um, it did definitely leave me shaking in a few places, but other parts of the movie are where it was like beautiful and cathartic and mm, yeah, like gets word. across the meaning of what it feels like to see this impending disaster that's definitely going to happen and happening and no one's treating it appropriately. I think the message of the movie that like, it's time to start treating serious things seriously. Like the end of the world can't be a fun time. It's not, <laughs> but we still have to talk about it and address it seriously. And obviously like the very the main difference between the movie and what's happening now is like that climate change and climate crisis and all that is on a completely different scale than a meteor because of all the reasons we know but um it's like the main thing i felt watching this movie was vindication mm. like it wasn't didn't feel good to watch a lot of the time, but it's like the movie of I told you so. <laughs> and it, I think will illustrate a lot to a lot of people who kind of don't get it, but are kind of on the verge, like why the human response to this has been so abysmally poor. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think like my favorite shot in the entire movie was at the very end like right after the meteor hits and all the flashes of different scenes happen. And then they cut to this shot of like a city block that's been demolished. And, but the buildings are partially standing in rubble and like the electricity's out, but it's still there. And then it floats off and it's just a chunk of earth in space as the entire like trash and debris and everything in the wall street bull goes flying. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was like the best mm -hmm. shot in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow that yeah I, I think that's i think that's right i mean i 
I'm 40. And, uh, you know, and I think about my future. I don't have any children. I think about my future. And, um, and this movie makes me scared for that. I can't imagine being from the perspective of a younger person or from the perspective of a, a parent of a younger person thinking about this, right? Like what world will we live in, right? Um, what world will I die in, in 40, 50 years? Or, I mean, if I'm lucky, 50 years, right? Um, that's a really scary prospect. I imagine, is, is that something you think about, Penn? Oh, all the time. But I probably am different from a lot of people because I feel like I've grieved for the world mm. that I thought that I lived in before. And I've like made my peace with the way things are now, but, uh, and it's hard. It, it, it hard. It's really hard. It fucking sucks. I'll be honest. Like mm. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And that's another thing. Like we have to stop sugarcoating things. Um, but there was one point also the point where, um, all of the like red hat folks, in front of the capitals chanting don't look up and one of them looks up and is like they fucking lied to us yeah. that moment is the fantasy in the movie that is what will never happen in reality because the real disaster is so much slower and like people only get that moment individually sort of i don't know Wow, that was very wise. Uh, but sir. think about true. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, uh, like, for, but think about for a minute, like the fires that happened last night in Colorado. Like for the people who live there, uh, the next for one thing you know, you see red out the window, and then the next twenty minutes, there's fire blazing towards you with hundred mile an hour winds. Like mm. the entire another entire town was wiped from the map in one day. And for those like 500 something families who ever lost their homes or, or lives or worse, um, it's like, that's the end of the world for them. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting because I mean, I grew up in Colorado Springs uh, up until I was about uh, nine or 10. And, um, you know, the weather in Colorado is not supposed to be like this in December. You know, there's supposed mm. to be snow on the ground and lots of it. And there's not supposed to be 100 mile an hour winds. And this is just unprecedented. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you have any experience of living in the 20th century, we are already in a different world. And, and mm -hmm. this, where this kind of right. thing is just, you know, this could happen anywhere. And um, mm -hmm. it, we're going to have to, it's desertification, right? That's what's going on in the American West. Mm -hmm. I think... No, no offense, but there's another thing. We need to stop things. Things are unprecedented because according to the science that we know about the way things are changes, changing and like the events of the past couple of years with all of the fires starting way back in like 2019 with the whole Amazon fires and then the Australian fires. Like if anyone can't see that it's getting worse, they're just not paying attention. Well, that's very true. Unprecedented for Colorado. This is a historic like record in Colorado. No, they should have watched yes. last summer when that town burned in Canada and when, you mm -hmm. know, Australia, like you said, like it's it's all been happening. But like, I think as it comes to a local area, people, you know, a new set of people look up and wake up. You know, that's that's yeah. what we're seeing. It's not the end of the world until it happens to me, basically. <laughs> well, that's I exactly mean, we right. saw that, you know, uh, that town busting tornado a month ago in, you know, in the Midwest, where you're not Same supposed thing. to get tornadoes that strong in that this time of year in particular. That's right. Uh, so it's, it's happening. So the meteor moment is going to be different. It's going to be more personal. It's going to come in bits and pieces, but it's still going to come. It's smaller things too. I mean, like uh, yeah. people on, people are posting on Facebook that they're having flowers blooming 
in December That's when right. we haven't even had our hard freeze yet. It's already the flowers think it's next spring already. And it's just it's it's insanity. Like those kinds of things, if you really know what's happening, are as scary as a huge fire. Pretty sure I saw a dead caterpillar outside the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, I think ben. the biggest takeaway that anyone should take from the movie who watches it is that like the system is broken and billionaires won't fix us, won't save us. Mm-hmm. They're like techno like saviorism is as dangerous a path as like denial of the problem, basically. Mm, well that said. That was definitely a message in the movie. Well and said. I think it's not about technology because the technology is a good part, like any tool, right? You have technology and you use it for good or ill mm-hmm. or not use it at all or use it inappropriately. It's We have the technology and we're getting more of it, but you can't build, a hammer's not gonna build a house. A person builds a house, right? Mm. Yeah. And we need to employ it properly. And that's what we're much more critical about. You know, in the movie, what what you saw was that they wanted to engineer the the solution so that they would make a bazillion dollars, Mm -hmm. right? Well, that's right. That seems to be the case with what's happening in real time, in real life too. They want to engineer all these green solutions, but also make incredible amounts of money. And honestly, if we had had that attitude when we were fighting Nazism and building a nuclear bomb before they did, we probably would not have built a nuclear bomb before they did. Right? If we, because what it took was single-minded focus towards that impending a problem. Uh, same thing. Will we have ever gone to the moon if it had to have been profitable? No, because it was taking too much, you know. That's the key here, the profit motive, right? Because if you're doing geoengineering, right, and if if the nations all got together and said, hey, we are going to do something to turn down the temperature to give us, to buy us some time, right? And all the governments cooperated and did that, it would be a good thing. On the other hand, if a bunch of billionaires got together and said, hey, we're going to make this cool new CO2 removal system, and but we're going to sell it, we're going to turn it into fuel. That's the kind of uh, uh, thing that we don't need happening in terms of climate solutions. Yeah, I think right. that's right. Um, one, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Uh, one little quip I like to have Sorry, is that like there's two ways uh, to there's two words that sound like the word profit, uh, and both of them has resulted in more evil than any other word, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since one of them is my name, right? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's true. It's, <laughs> but it's funny. I was I born to I was born to cult leader parents, right? And they did a lot of damage. Oh. And so, so the word the the name prophet it is their actual real name. It's my, came from my father and um, goes back generations. But yeah, they they did they did pretend to be prophets. So you know that's. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think yeah, like Leonardo DiCaprio's character goes through the whole arc of like having such faith in the system like that people obviously are going to deal with this eventually but it just doesn't happen and that's what's been happening in real life and what it looks like to people who are younger people like myself and to generation z who's like slightly younger than i am because i consider myself in like that lost generation that's sandwiched in between the millennials and gen z it's uh, a whole nother topic entirely but you know (laughs) 
Um, well, awesome. Guys, um, everyone, um, I am really glad that you came, Penn, to spend some time with us. I want to sort of open up uh, into this sort of next topic that we're working on here. And um, I wanted to ask you all, if you had to describe, I want to sort of force us to con to come up with a main idea for the for the film, right? So, um, for example, I want if I had to, and I wrote this down already. If I had to had to use several sentences to describe the film, I would say that it is an outstanding film which describes the nature of the climate crisis in uniquely accessible terms by using the proverbial giant meteor as a metaphor. Its take on human nature and on human culture is accurate, funny, and terrifying. The great news is that you can watch it on Netflix. That's my that's my thing. Now the question, <laughs> right. um, so that's what if someone asked me, like, how do you describe the film? I, I want to sort of get how you all are thinking about it, right? Are you thinking about it just generally in a, in a sort of relatively tight idea before we really get into the details? Well, I think. It, by the way, it's number one film on Netflix already, which that's is great, great. news. Yeah. Just yeah. great that's news really, worldwide. Number one worldwide. Mm -hmm. And but the thing about for me was it was okay. You had that allegory about the meteor and climate change, but I think the movie was also really about us, mm -hmm. about where we are as a culture, mm -hmm. and it's not a good place. And I think that's what the movie was saying. We're very easily distracted. We can't focus. We are not concerned about things that we should be concerned about that are really kind of existential in in, in importance, and we're not concerned about them. We are uh, in a place where we can't, because of all that, we can't have solutions. We don't know how to proceed as a people. I mean, some of us do, but not enough. And there's so much, there's so many hurdles in our way with this issue. And I think the movie was also highlighting that for me. And I think that's actually even more important because we have, we can solve climate change if we solve that problem as well as many other problems. That is really the key thing. We are stuck, mm -hmm. really. And that, and that, I think the movie is showing us that. And, and as a consequence to being stuck that way, it was the end. It, we, the earth was destroyed in the movie. And I yeah. think that was important. Yeah. yeah Sean, I, why don't you go ahead? I didn't have um, a, <laughs> anything particularly prepared for this, but just to sort of echo what both of you said, in the sense that the distraction, the triviality, is the giant meteor. I mean, mm. this is obviously a metaphor for climate change compressed down from like, you know, 50 or 75 years into six months where um, climate change is more difficult. So this becomes sort of a thing. It's like, hey, it's a rock. It's going to hit us, right? And so there's a moment. There's They can count it down, you know, with her diet calculator. She counts it down to the second when it's going to happen. And we it's all known. With with the climate, we don't know. So it, it, it I think the film focuses sort of how we need to think about climate by turning it into something that is more concrete. But when we see, for example, we've been uh, warned repeatedly about ice shelves breaking off of Antarctica, mm -hmm. and there's one right now in particular that's that that they're talking about that could destabilize in the next five to ten years. And if that thing goes, yeah, you get immediate, you know, one to two foot rise of sea level within like a decade, and that is something that would just hit our world like a ton of bricks in a way that would be 
almost similar to a meteor mm. because of the hundreds of millions of people who would be immediately affected. So immediately affected. That that's it. But but the enemy in this situation is this apathy and this distraction and you know the celebrity the celebrity shit was perfect because the knives were out in this film for the left as well as the right and like for example yeah. that concert they had there's 25 days left to stop the meteor they're having a fucking concert like we are the That's world right. or something That's like right. that you know yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and and you know having a, a ariana grande in there you know she was she was clearly clearly not a nice person and yet she's doing right. this benefit and it's just like mm-hmm. that it just it crystallized and encapsulated sort of the liberal like um ridiculous uh culture war stuff that liberals get involved in you know there was a sign somebody was holding up a sign and it was like you know stop 8g you know it's like you're, like you're saying you, you mm-hmm. know if we have 5g it looks like 8g and you're still doing the same stupid shit right so um i feel like i feel like um, every, there was something for everyone in this film. There was something to to offend everyone in this film, and and a lot of people I know, even liberals, like turned it off in the middle and 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 didn't watch. And I think that's very telling. Yeah, yeah perhaps. And 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 I think that's a really uh, everybody. I appreciate you um, uh, participating. And by the way, Penn, I'd like to give you the opportunity if you want to try and summarize the film um, in several sentences. Um. Well, I think everything you guys said was good. Um, It's a film about people. It's not about climate change, and it's not about the meteor even that much. It's about society and the ways that we've failed to organize ourselves effectively against things that are dangerous to us. Yes. And if there's one thing that everyone should take away from watching this movie, it's that the system... That meaning governments, rich people, whatever you want to consider it, is broken and won't save us. Mm -hmm. Well said. Really, really well said. I I Um, think that's a common sentiment among young people. As as somebody who works with young people all the time, mm -hmm. it's a pretty common sentiment. They don't trust that the system is going to save them or even be good for them. they're They're going to try to make it in spite of it. That's the feeling that, well, that they have. And because of that lack of trust, okay, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we need the system yeah. to hold together. We need institutions. Like it was beautiful in the beginning of the film. Like you saw the telescope and it was like, you know, the laser and it's like all aligned and these people are there and it's methodical and it's like, oh, okay, we're, you know, discovery. Uh, what is it? Where is it? Is it, you know, where's it, where's it going to go? And just this, this honest, earnest search for truth. And as soon as you got out of that, like temple of that telescope, right? All hell broke loose and they couldn't communicate this most basic discovery. Totally. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with all of you. And, and one of the themes, there's a couple of themes that I, I see developing here as we talk. And um, one is that uh, the, obviously the centrality of science and facts, right? That that kept getting hitting hit home in the film over and over and over again. Um, and also this idea that the film is, although it it revolves around an extinction level event, uh, a meteor, really what it is 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 a mirror, is a reflection of our society. It is it is a damning portrayal of our of our society. So um, I want to ask a question now, right? So. I guess, what is the goal of the film, right? The film, because I mean, one might walk away and say, okay, well, the goal is to get off, get us off our asses about climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, obviously. 
Um, and if that is the goal, how well did it achieve that goal? Do you think this gets people off of their asses? <laughs> well, you know, I think that that it's really less about climate change than it is care about the things that matter, right? Because uh, so mm. many times, over and over again, it was it was sports, it was it was celebrity culture, it was trivialities, uh, you know, the the mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. meme culture on Facebook, you know, uh, uh, when she she gets on TV for the first time and she's hysterical. Yeah, it's, uh, it was over the top. I mean, she shouldn't have done that. But at the same point, she's trying to say, hey, look at what's happening. We're about to get hit by a meteor. And so all they could do was attack the messenger. And mm -hmm. that's what we need to stop doing is attacking the messenger. Because there are gonna, we're going to have many messengers of many... Uh, serious things we need to think about and deal with, you know, for everything from housing to, to, to you know, to, to the climate, to just general pollution, to environmental racism, to there's, there's so many things that uh, we need to improve in society. And the response is often just to mock the messenger, you know, oh, that person looks funny or, oh, that person is fat or, oh, that person is whatever. And as, as a way of just deflecting. And I think this film, what was brilliant about it is it showed how many different ways people would deflect rather than just stay focused on the issue. You know, the, the scientists, uh, you know, he's, he's on there for his big interview and they're like, oh, are we alone in the universe? Is there life out there? You know, oh, you met little green men, didn't you? You know, and, and it's this deflection to uh, to joking all the time. And it's like, we can, mm -hmm. can't afford that anymore. I think that's right. Exactly. Pan, it sounds like you have, looks like you have something to say. I was like, yeah. One thing I noticed about the film, like the film is that this isn't a new story. The story of the film is the same story as Chicken Little. The sky <laughs> is falling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's literally, a great point. Literally, in this it case. really is. I mean, in this case, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, um, so I like. Let's talk about Joe. Joe, do you have? Well, you know, Christoph, you talked about science and the importance of paying attention. I was reading this critique of the film today on CNN mm. and how oh, here we here are liberals going at it again, making the same old mistake of putting scientists like like they know it all. I mean, they do. They know do, it though. All. Right. Compared to, like, <laughs> who else would know about you know uh, disease vectors and and pandemics and you know epidemiologists and scientists? Who else knows about the climate than but climate scientists or astronomers about astronomy? That kind of information is not something you can just pick up. You know, uh, you know, reading a, a pamphlet or, or watching a video. It's a devotion to knowledge that's lifelong. And it's by the brightest people, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, yes, they, we have to trust that knowledge and that it's better than our knowledge. We have to do that. And that's not a fault. Right? Totally. And, and this article is making it out to be a fault. This is the, the big complaint of conservatives. And this, I hear this over and over and over again, you know. Uh, they think they're better than us, right? Like you think right. you're better That's than what me. It was. I, I guess I should is a better way to phrase it. But it, in either if it, you know if it's a critique of it, it's like they think they're better than than conservatives, or you think you're better than us. You know, depending on what perspective you're taking here. And this idea that uh, we should not listen to truth because it might be condescending. It's like 
no matter what you're trying to learn in life, somebody knows more than you. And if you're not humble enough to take it, then you deserve whatever you get. Unfortunately, we live in a society, we live in a world where everybody's decisions affect everyone else. So um, I don't know, like I get the idea that as a science communicator, you want to uh, communicate in a way that people can hear and understand. And if they reject the message, that's a problem. But um, this has been going on now for 50 years. Like that might've yeah, been something that could exactly. have been talked about back in the eighties or nineties when this wasn't as well known. Right. But now mm. this has been weaponized to the point where it's like, these guys don't want to hear anything. They don't want to hear about masks. They don't want to hear about vaccines. They don't want to hear about mm -hmm. climate change. They don't want to hear about anything that makes them have to learn something or change their behavior. And it's like, I'm sorry, like scientists are better than them are better than you. Mm -hmm. However you want to look at it, you know? Totally, totally. I think that's absolutely right. This, it really, one of the, again, one of the biggest takeaways I, and there were so many takeaways, frankly, that I, that I, that I saw as I'm watching this movie, like they, they're coming back in a lot of ways as we're talking. But, um, you know, this idea of experts not being experts, right? That everyone gets their own opinion about facts. Mm -hmm. You know, today I was in a conversation, someone on the, uh, on our uh, Instagram page, I was manning the Instagram page and someone commented, um, uh, it, it commented that, oh, he said that nobody, nobody deserves health care unless they've earned it. That's, <laughs> that's what he said. And, and so I go and I look <laughs> on his profile and you know, he's just one of these guys, like a Trump guy, like, you know, all that stuff, like not even really Trump, yeah. but just all of this conservative stuff bat. And I came back and I said, you're a fucking idiot. That's all I said. And then he came back and he came back and, and, and I, and I told him exactly why is because like, look, you know, you think you get to make up the facts as you go along. You would think that your opinion on scientific matters is relevant. And I'm like, I'm not even going to engage that. Why? It's not even worth my time to engage that. And that is, I think, uh, th this one of the big takeaways from this movie. I also just love how they talked about, remember, remember when the part when he goes, um, the billionaire is in the in the situation room, right? The most like com one of the most confidential, you know, places on the <laughs> planet, right? Mm -hmm. Like, right. And he, and he walks in and says, um, and and then Jonah Hill's character says, oh, no, he's double platinum, uh, donor eagle, double level, platinum, yeah. he donor <laughs> level, he gets full access. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, right. So th they talk about the dysfunctionality of the government in such like specific and useful ways, right, that that just that that really reflects it's almost hilarious. It's not obviously, but it just but like it really puts these issues and these ideas in a way that was really, really digestible. Um, I thought it was fantastic. What did you guys think about the way that it, that it dealt with the government in general? Uh, well, I think that it, what it did was it did it in a darkly comical way and it did it in a dramatic way, but it really highlighted this this uh, unholy alliance between corporate the corporate world and government because it's real and it's there and and if you look in there's so many measures of that that you know the the core the hand of the corporate power is completely you know immersed in government mm -hmm. at many different levels and they pursue their own agendas whatever they may be in in, in case of climate change their agenda is to is to you know um, navigate it so they make tons of money. At best, at best, right? And at, bunker down in New Zealand. At, yeah. Mm -hmm. At worst, they want to stop climate change action. But at best, okay, maybe they wanted to save the world, but they want to do it in the way that they profit first. And if that doesn't happen, they're not interested. 
Yeah. And, or, and that means they're not going to consider solutions that would be much better and more uh, you know, apt for this because they're not profitable, which is not what we need to be. We can't be there. We don't have the time for that bullshit. That's right. Yeah, you know? Well, and, and so that, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say for me, I mean, there's, um, since I'm not religious at all, I mean, there's something about our government and about the Capitol building and about the White House and all those things that have been just so desecrated in recent years. Mm. And uh, this sort of just really rubbed, brought that home. I mean, it was bad enough to watch the Trump family shit all over the White House, right? But then you see their supporters right. shit all over the Capitol, literally with shit, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so we've seen this um, utter contempt, which started back with Ronald Reagan when he said, you know, the, the scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, right? He started this whole attack on government as an institution that has continued. And it's part of this whole libertarian right-wing thing where a lot of these people, um, you know, they, they, they have completely debased the, the, you know, the, the validity of government as, as something that works for the people. And for them, it's mm-hmm. just a way to sort of uh, implement their he- ham-fisted power and also to allow corporations in to just sort of buy the whole thing. I mean, the, the, the mm-hmm. best illustration of that was the one I believe it was Time Magazine did with Trump, and it showed the octopus uh, over the White House, where with all of the, mm. you know, the 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 coal companies and the and the oil companies and the Koch brothers and you know all the lobbyists and everybody who you know had their hands yeah. in the till during that administration, and so I think and still have their hands in the till, yeah, and still blocking progress. And unfortunately, younger people have never seen that positive vision of government. They had, they weren't oh, there. With yeah, that's they weren't not there with FDR. They weren't there with, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson. And they, didn't, they have never seen government do, you know, big things and good things. The whole they've ever seen is the shit. And that you wonder why they're suspicious. And they have no trust and no faith. Yeah, at the same point. time, though, somehow if we if we can't, you know, dig deep and find that trust and 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 make it work, you know, like we're we're lost. It's just, we're just we just oh, we just have corporations in charge, and that's with nothing in between. And that's and right. Government was a check on corporate power to some extent. For oh a yeah, while. for a long for a while, age, they were. They Definitely. really were. Definitely. And you know that's a history thing for most people. They don't know that. Mm-hmm. They don't know that government had that role. That it, function. It's completely un like believable to me. Picture <laughs> <laughs> a time like that. No the the early the early twentieth century was a time of trust busting and and it was a big deal mm-hmm. and, and it was successful. And, and I That's think, right. um, you know, they broke up Microsoft, you know, I mean, yeah. so, you know, the thing, they broke Big up oil. AT&T, Standard I mean, you know, so, so it, it can happen and it's just not happening now. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's, it's super depressing, right? I mean, it's super depressing. What I thought was fascinating, I wonder how you all think about this was, uh, and I, I, I glean this, maybe I, um, maybe I'm not, uh, seeing it clearly or, or, or the right way, but, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, character, right? He, and I think you mentioned this, Penn, that he believes in the system, right? Um, and he thinks that if he does the right thing and goes and talks to people and that he can convince people and that he was helping. But do- doesn't that remind you of these characters that went into the Trump administration and they said, well, wouldn't you, he almost, I think he actually said it at one point, which is, well, don't you want one of the good, one of some, some one of the good guys on the inside, right? Making sure that things don't go completely off the rails. Um, and so I thought and that was left. a, 
his character arc in that way, I thought was really, really fascinating, right? Because he goes from this, from like this quiet, sort of geeky professor, brilliant guy to, um, and he's, but he is co-opted by the sexiness of it. And she just, yeah. and, and, and yeah. the woman, and that's what I mean, the woman almost personifies that, right? That it, right. that, that exactly. is alluring, it's sexy. And, the, and it's not surprising that people go down that path. It's designed to drag people down that path. And, and so much so that in the street after, um, the woman gets uh, the, gets her uh, – it, it's like abducted for like the second time and he's standing <laughs> there in the street and he's like, oh, well, you like like I say, he says um, something along the lines of, well, you know, I got to be on the inside. You know, you need somebody on the inside doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a valid argument to make, right? Because a lot of times you can't affect the system from the outside. It's hard. It's harder in a lot of ways. Maybe on the inside you can do something. Maybe not everybody. But again, I think that's a debate that's worth having. And I thought the film did – that was sort of a low-key thread that was running through the film as well. It was. Mm-hmm. And it was It was kind of, in a way, like a low point for his character because you saw the mm-hmm. – he, he's shilling for them now, right? He makes a commercial. Yep, yep, and, yep. and his exactly. commercial is like, are you having anxiety? Well, our specialists are here to talk to you about your anxiety. And, oh, yes. <laughs> and it was like – Awful. It was awful. And they weren't therapists. They were just PR hacks who were on the phone yeah. with people, you know? And so <laughs> it was – I, I love the moment – the moment when the spell broke, I thought that was done beautifully. Yes, that was the best part of the movie. When when they were on, they were looking at the drones, and you know the billionaire was like fawning over his baby drone. He called Primo and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, and um, DiCaprio's character is like, well, you know, I I understand that some scientists are you know being pushed away, being fired for one peer review. And he talked about the business side and the guy laid into him. It's like, you know, we know all about you. We have the algorithms. You're this, you're that. You're going to you're gonna die a lonely death and all this stuff. And he just laid out, like, for him, it was like, wow, what am I, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Kind of look on his face. Like, yeah. I've gotten co-opted. And from there, he shifted. He changed. He did. Yeah. It was really interesting, too, because you saw all of a sudden, and, and this was actually very good. It was taken from the book Homo Deus, where uh, Yuval Noah Harari talks about the ability to predict human behavior and and even someone's future from from data. And it's 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 probably real. Right. And you, it's not mm-hmm. it's not really even sci fi. And but you saw how uh, it made him incredibly powerful and. You know, where to, where to, to, he's just he's just questioned in a rational way, asked to be accountable, and he goes on this attack where he tells the guy he's going to die alone. I mean, a vicious yeah. attack, right? And this is what yeah. people do when they're held to account. And we, good point. Way, good point. He he changed course and he did not die alone. No, yeah, he didn't. I, die I alone. feel like that's a really important part of the movie that we haven't really talked much about yet is the human aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Personally, like my favorite character from the movie was um the boyfriend uh, i forget his name but i think he was the same actor who was in dune right i think so um but like when they introduced him at the supermarket it's like oh a troublemaker he's inviting him and i was half expecting it to like turn into some drama but no every scene that sh- at that um i'm blanking on the actress's name uh yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. There you go. She had with her was yeah. like a moment of genuine human connection and them just like learning to like grow and bond and love each other in the midst of this catastrophe. And then there's the whole scene where that's where it's like hours away from the um 
nuke like hours away from the meteor hitting and they're just getting dinner and going preparing to see the, their family and he's like oh yeah i love fingerling potatoes like i know mm-hmm. a ton of people like that exactly mm-hmm. um <laughs> totally it really brings home like the i think some people might miss that don't look up is the name of the movie and it's it makes that it comes around in the middle with the whole like trump supporters but at the end it's everyone except for the main characters is looking up and the main characters instead are looking around at the people they love and like what's normal to them. And I've saw a review that was saying like, Oh, they're just pretending that everything's normal, but that wasn't it. It's just that it doesn't need to be said. Everyone knows. And so you just need to focus on what's important and the people you love and you're surrounded with. No, that was the That's best so way true. anybody could have 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 ended their life at that right. moment. It was like it was like they resolved. They tried. They did everything they could, and now they're just having a last moment together. And um, I, I I wanted to point out something else. Just shift gears for a second, and that is there was that this great subplot about this disaster film that was made to be released on the oh, day yeah. of the <laughs> when the when the meteor was supposed to land. Right? Like that's right. Like we're not going to stop our release schedule for, for, for anything. And it was an awesome interview because, you know, you had this, this, uh, kind of conflict between the don't look up and, and, and yes, look up, you know? And so this actor is sitting there and he's saying, um, he has an arrow pointing up and down. Right. And so it was mm-hmm. a really great skewering of the both sidesing. Right. <laughs> so, oh man. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that same thing, Sean, I was literally writing it down. I couldn't remember the character, the, the actor who played it, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And they similarly hit that tone when, um, the, uh, Jennifer Lawrence goes home yeah. to her parents' house and they won't let her in. She's like, no politics here. Right. Yeah. This, and, and it's the same idea. I mean, it's a similar, it's not the same, but it's similar. This idea of like, let's just ignore it. But, let's pretend it's not happening or, and everyone, you know, Oh, and, so and so beautifully done. It was beautiful because, like, you've heard this all the time. And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "The pin po- points both up and down because I think as a country we need to stop arguing and virtue signaling oh. and just get along, right?" And, and then the interview goes, "That is so refreshing. I think we're just all tired of the politics." And how yep. many times have you heard that, right? And so that he goes, "Oh my god, that's why we made Total Devastation. It's for everyone. It's a popcorn movie. Like, don't yeah. think, just <laughs> eat your popcorn and pay us money, you know." Yeah, it's like Soma, Soma in uh, in um, uh, in the one of the Orwell books. Um, but anyway, it's like it's basically like right the opiate of the masses, right? Just sort of like just a couple drops, and oh, don't everyone, everything will be fine. Let's not worry about that. And by the way, if you come to my house, I don't want to talk about this. Let's not get political, mm-hmm. right? How many times do you hear that online, right? Constantly, um, constantly, right? Constantly, and, and- I have to tell him that all the time. <laughs> I, one of the things that I thought about, too, is in terms of what I loved was, and this is actually piggybacking a little bit on what you were saying, Penn, um, the human the, the human element of this, I think, is critical. I think that that is, right, I think that if, in terms of thinking about solutions, in terms of making, we talk a lot about on, on the show about making things real for people, and you talked about it earlier, Penn, as well. Um, and I think that when you talk about, when people think about their loved ones living in the future, and people think about their loved ones dying, all of a sudden, everything becomes very, very real. And it's hard to do that under our, our, our under our, our system, this problem we're facing, right, um, as, a, as, as, a, as a planet. But um, 
under the meteor scenario, it was once the meteor was visible and it became clear there was no there was no going back. Everyone suddenly started. You really sort of felt that 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 love that people had for their families. And the other thing I want to talk about was just and I wondered how you thought about this all all thought about this is the uh, the campaign that they that they it, how hopeful were you when they when the when the look up campaign came right like you saw them getting like getting arrested in the streets right protesting mm-hmm. uh and like really engaging like black lives matter style right mm-hmm. and really getting people in and like that is I, in terms of the solutions right that kind of organizing is inspiring man it, it, it really is it, it makes one think like how can we do that same sort of thing with climate change and, and it's harder i guess because it's so far away in people's minds but maybe not as it gets more real. Well, it was a, it, there was a little bit of pathos there in the sense that, like, yes, people were finally sort of taking notice and yes, look up and all that. But it was too late. Too late. It was too late. And the concert, too late. It was like, and this is sometimes mm-hmm. exactly. when, when we have a planetary physics problem, you know, sometimes activism just isn't even enough. Like, are people willing to stop buying gas? Are people willing to stop flying? Are people, you know, like how this is going to take some serious effort to -hmm. deal with. And um, it's going to be like foregoing the $140 trillion space rock. Like we're going to have to uh, acknowledge that, you know, there's, there's sacrifices going to have to be made. And how do you tell people that? How do you get people to march to make a sacrifice, you know, as opposed to, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I see your point. I see your point. Well, one of the things is ab- about language, especially with things like the glacier, is like we need to start talking about things in terms of will happen, not like could happen. Mm-hmm. Because like for that one in particular, it's, it, it has been predicted to collapse within the next 10 years. And as we all know, everything is sooner than predicted nowadays. Mm-hmm. So um, like it's going to happen. People just aren't going to change in time because we can't. Right. It's yeah. like, and to go back to something you said, um, it's like everyone, even when they do like manage to realize what, like the depths of the problems that are affecting us, it's like a lot of people can't afford the mental energy of dealing with that because they have their own problems in their own lives. They have to pay the bills. They Great have to point. like deal to take their kids to school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I hear that. And that's, that's a I, great point. They definitely do have to attend to their lives, but it's that old statement, you know, deal with reality or reality is going to deal with you. And I've been hearing literally since the eighties, the same argument about, you know, people have their lives and they're too, just too busy. Yes. That's the issue. That's the entire issue right now is that we are going to be forced into a situation where like the meteor, no matter how much we're self-absorbed, no matter how many problems we have going on our own lives, we will suddenly be forced to pay attention at a certain point. Well, and even before that point, it's already happening. Go ahead. People have to look up and they have to be, become aware that it's an issue. And it's a problem mm-hmm. of, that, of the magnitude that it is that why isn't that happening? Like, why isn't that happening as it should? Because the meteor is there. We can, we, I mean, the science is telling us there it is, there it is. It's coming, mm-hmm. right? It's, there's, it's unequivocal yeah. at this point, right? You look at every single scientific body on this planet and science has done that way. Science has done through 
peer review institutions. That's they, they, this, it's the institutions that hold and disseminate scientific knowledge. Every single one is saying this is real, this is bad, this is an existential crisis. It's a, some, you know, some degree, right? It's a planetary emergency, and yet nothing is being done. Why is it that this has not communic been communicated? And I think it goes beyond just people not paying attention and being distracted. I think there's a psychological element to this. Definitely. I mean, I think it's similar to like, let's say, the difference between being against racism and being anti-racist, right? If you're going to be anti-racist, you got to own it, right? Mm -hmm. You got to own it psychologically. You, got, you have to understand, yes, maybe I'm a good person, but I'm also complicit. Yeah. So I'm also responsible and you got to own it. And it's the same thing with the climate issue, right? If you really take it seriously and you, and you look up, it's like, holy shit. No, it, I have all this great responsibility now that I have to do. The, right? the response to the film is the response to the climate. Like the people who get it yeah. are watching it. And the people who don't want to get it are tuning out. And that's what we always see. And, but I still think there's value because culturally this is it this has created a conversation and the conversation is even even the people who tune it out are aware that it's that it exists and they're aware that yeah. maybe they watched half of it and got irritated and that little seed will be planted and 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 as these things happen because a big space rock just hit 500 houses last night you know in 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 uh outside of boulder colorado and yeah you know, a, a big space rock, you know, hit a town last, you know, last summer in Canada. And that's how we have to think about this is we're already getting millions hit. of little space rocks are constantly hitting the Great Barrier Reef and the Amazon and like every old growth forest in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. Um, so, look, I, I, I what I wanted to think about as well, and I, I, well, I wanted to say anyway, is uh, one of the things that really struck me through the film, um, there were so many things, but one of the things that really struck me was, and I mentioned at the top of the show, is the despair the scientists experience, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean it in, and I don't mean it in a professional way, although that is true, it's professionally frustrating, but you saw each of them more or less have a breakdown mm -hmm. right i mean so you and and you and so you saw the black scientist who's i can't remember his his name but his character i mean i love that first of all that they made him a significant part of the movie even though he was kind of yeah. like a peripheral character but he mattered all through the movie right and all the way through <laughs> till the end and he's literally at the table yeah. at the end fantastic he was the chief um, of the planetary defense he was like that, that exactly. was his title <laughs> that was his title and i but and i just love to watch these I don't loved it obviously, but they did a brilliant job of 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 demonstrating how this affects people on a very personal and individual level, right? Their lives fall apart essentially as they as they lose their mind. It's like being Copernicus, right? It's mm -hmm. like a, it's a, it's the equivalent of being burned at the stake for your beliefs, right? In this modern world, you really can say whatever you want, but right. You can be, in some sense, like socially ostracized, right? I mean, she gets skewered on social media for Jeff for for her outburst about a very reasonable outburst under the circumstances. A yeah. very reasonable outburst under the circumstances. So, and you know, you, you see this similarly with, uh, and it, this is a kind of a, 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 a out of left field, it, it might sound like, but uh, teachers quitting on mass, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so you have civil servants like that, right? People who are just the people who are doing the nuts and bolts of this stuff. It's not necessarily sexy. The stuff that like that keeps our civilization moving, right? These people are often demonized by the right, right? They're th they're they're told that they're not that that they're crazy. And I thought that the film, 
in, in, in dealing with the scientists on that very personal level did a great job of, of highlighting that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've known, I've been working in academia all my life. I know some climate scientists personally. I'm friends with some of them, right? I know the type. Um, and they are very, very serious people. They take their work very seriously. They take what they do very seriously. Um, they want to do the right thing. But I've seen one after the other. Like I, over the course of the last 30 years, people that I used to follow, scientists I used to follow, I saw them all, you know, not all of them, but some of them in despair. Some of them quit. Yes. Like it, it, and some of them just decided to just hunker down and not even do it anymore. Just be, be scientists and that's it. Because there was just so much hostility towards mm -hmm. them. Um, I even know this one guy, my, my boss at one point, maybe like 20 years ago, who was really a conservative, right? He didn't mm. believe in climate change. He was, he poo-pooed it when I worked there. So I was, I had this issue with him because I was teaching it and he didn't believe in it. <laughs> but then like a few years later, he said, oh my God, the dead is there. It is real. And it's absolutely real. And now he's like, you know, has to fight with people because he has a lot of, you know, he's in that conservative circle all the time mm -hmm. to, to, because no one, no one takes him seriously. They're <sighs> like, well, we'd rather listen to some schmuck on YouTube than, than this guy who's devoted his life to it. And right. it's like so frustrating, you know. That these, really is frustrating. Um, well, and it's not not ending. And that's the thing. It's not ending. That's the thing with DiCaprio's character. And I think that you know he has a history of climate change activism, of course. And I think he was approached and maybe was initially reluctant to participate in this particular film. And I was reading that um, one of his conditions was that he got to give like a network style speech. And um, I read the actual initial speech that was was scripted for him. Totally different. He apparently rewrote it 15 really? times. That's <laughs> yeah. So the, the the final speech that he gave was so much stronger than the one that was originally in the script. And I love the fact that he said, That's "Awesome." The president of the United States is fucking lying. I mean, that I was love it. so yeah. great. I love it. Like, it was so, so great. good. <clears throat> It's like it's, it, this entire this entire climate change thing is like the is like and the entire f film felt like the emperor has no clothes, right? It's, yeah. it, it felt this vibe of just like why are we obviously not paying attention to something that we can all see? Why right. are we pretending that this isn't happening? We know it's happening. Let's stop playing fucking games. And yeah. that's mm -hmm. why it, it, and it kept hammering that home. And especially like you said, at DiCaprio's speech at the end and her outburst also. In the beginning, yes. was a similar thing, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and I love that his character comes to that yeah. at the end, right? Through his he's anxiety, the voice of reason through, in the beginning, know? and then and then and then by at, by the time it's over with, he's like, "Holy shit, the entire world is insane!" You know, <laughs> yeah, everyone is crazy. Yeah, everyone is crazy. So, uh, and you know, you mentioned frustrating, and it's deeply frustrating all of this. But one thing that I want to ask, and I want to ask Penn this, um, well, but I'll set up the set up the question first, um, and that is right. Social media. Social media was one of the big themes throughout the entire thing, right? Yeah. Um, I am not a social media native. I, you're right, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't born into social media. It didn't exist when I when I was born or when I was growing up. Um, um, but we know that it can be a force for good. Like it's like you said earlier, it's a tool, right? Um, but I think one of the deeply frustrating things here is, and a great example of it was, you know, they they came out with a really effective slogan, right? Um, uh, look up. And they came back with a slogan that was simply, don't look up, 
Right. And then you saw this, and 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 so they they you they whipped up this entire energy, this counter energy, and we see this happening all the time on media, right? And I, and and before I hand it over to you, Penn, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that it reminded it reflected Black Lives Matter so much, right? Yeah. Because it's hashtag Black Lives Matter, and it's not anything creative in response. It's literally has it's. Um, hashtag blue lives matter, or, right? So you don't right. even come up with your own idea because it's purely reactionary, right. purely reactionary. Um, yeah. But Penn, in terms of social media, you're a social media native. Um, in your gut, do you walk around saying, holy shit, social media is the end, is why we're in the end of the, where we're facing the end of the world right now? Uh, it's not, it's certainly not the only reason, but I think it's a big part of the problem that the movie's trying to illustrate with the whole people being stuck. It has done a definite number on people's attention spans mm. with like TikTok and Facebook and YouTube videos being the way people get information. And I think another point that the movie really is trying to make is that it's not even so much that the right wing crowd is the damaging aspect here it's that just whereas we've been so dysfunctionally organized as a society that even the average person mm -hmm. has really like no clue of what reality actually is because they're usually they're going they're, they've got like just base knowledge of most things and then they can they're just basically taking the word of one person over the other yeah Great points. Very well Great said. Points. And it's like, I, I would I want to say that on social media, you could say the sky is blue and somebody will argue with you. There is no, there is no fact <laughs> that ever goes unchallenged on social media. And that's, that's how there's we got to vaccine people. refusal and, and, and uh, climate change yeah. denial and everything else like that, because everything is a controversy. It's a, it, it, imagine this going on when, you know, during polio or smallpox, right? Mm -hmm. It would have been a whole different world. Or World War Two. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, no, the Nazis aren't that bad. Or that's not, or simply that's not happening. Right. That's yeah. not, like, right, literally. Because that, right, that's just not happening. You still have people who argue that, though. You still get people who make those exact arguments. Oh, yeah. definitely. Oh, you do. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, right. <sighs> like you said, the sky is, like, the, the sky is blue. And there will be somebody to say, absolutely not. It's right. I mean, and, um, and we said the vaccine is an, is a, is the obvious example is yeah. this, right? Like, right. Yeah. It, vaccines cause, vaccines cause autism. No, they don't. That's not debatable, right? That's not, that's, it, they don't. I mean, right? And, but, but nevertheless, you're going to have somebody who's taking this position and with a straight face um, uh, tell you that. And like you and said, and I think one of the important the things. Secondary, there's the whole secondary aspect of that debate, which is why do you think it would be worse for your child to be autistic than to have horribly like disfiguring diseases. Great point. Really great point. Um it's, and it's not rational, right? <laughs> it's it, not. It's not. It's political, it's emotional, it's manipulative. Mm -hmm. it, it is the kind of stuff that that it prevents us from having nice things. Yeah. <laughs> well like, said. Like safer. So it's totally. there's one last thing I'd like to talk about the movie and it's it. the subtext surrounding the ending with like the billionaire's spaceship and them escaping to the whatever planet mm -hmm. 20,000 years in the future. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so there's a whole ton of subtext surrounding that. Number one, like the rich asshole kid gets left behind and forgotten completely. Mm. Number two, the, the implication that I got from that is their big mission to break up the asteroid was delayed and failed 
but the one to escape the planet in cryogenic stasis went off successfully, mm -hmm. which implies to me that they must have been secretly diverting resources from that project to their own private project just for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is that once they get to the planet, it's like a bunch of, I said this before the, um, like recording started, but it's just a bunch of naked ass old people who are all <laughs> businessmen, like rich fucks who have never done anything productive in their life. They didn't bring like clothes with them or anyone who knows how to make clothes. Right. And they step out like without spacesuits or any protective gear onto an unknown planet. Yeah. No, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, like the implication is that they are not going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you see the uh, Brontorox closing in on them yeah. there at the end. Right. Right. <laughs> that was it. Right. That was it. They but were done. I, but, your, <clears throat> but your point, Penn, is an absolutely great one. And that is the the, the most galling and infuriating part of all of this is, is that when when all when, when the disaster really does happen, when it becomes real, the people who will survive it are the people who are responsible for it. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. is the that is that like gut punch. If there wasn't anything that pissed me off in that movie, it was that. There was all kinds of things. I had a whole range of feelings as I went through the movie, from like darkly amused to um to like really just in despair and it's a feeling a sense of despair but that at the very end was and i wonder if they did that on purpose because that at the very end was so, very oh, yeah. very infuriating well very mm -hmm, fact yeah. that they got away with it right that really taps that feeling of just like of injustice injustice oh, these guys yeah. are taking That's the profits from fossil fuels they've already built themselves like primo bunkers all over the world Definitely. in places, you know, mm -hmm. New Zealand, they're buying up land in places where they think it's going to be okay. And I mean, they're, they're obviously, they know that they are causing this disaster. Like they publicly, yep. their, their PR firms will deny climate change, but they are preparing for it. And that's exactly 100%. the same thing that this, that this billionaire was doing in, you know, mm -hmm. clearly he was building this rescue rocket uh, you know, long before, you know, with the idea, with the, the very distinct possibility that his mission uh, to mine that asteroid was not going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and right. And another thing that we hadn't talked about, and that is that, I mean, this is obvious, but the point where they could have deflected it. Mm -hmm. Right. I love right. that they bring that hit that home, too. And yes. not only could they not deflect it, but the reason why they chose not to was because of the billionaire. Very mm -hmm. specific thing that they did there. Right. Very specific thing. And literally. And of course, they did it in the farcical way where the, where the billionaire literally walks into the situation room and says, nope, this is off. And I, and I love he walks out of the room and, and, and the president doesn't come out right away. Yeah. So he says and she, he said, excuse me, uh, uh, can I have a moment of your time? Like now. Yeah. Right? Like it <laughs> yeah. was just like right. you, it was, uh, we say jump, you say, uh, you know, how high, et cetera. Uh, it was really a really uh, amazing, amazing part there. Well, that's kind of my point earlier. It's like by having to think about profit, especially like hoarding the profit. Yes. Uh, that basically wipes away possibilities mm -hmm. of like how to deal with this, right? Yeah. For example, like I'm, I'm all into electric car and I just bought one. I think they're great. But what we really need is public transportation. Mm -hmm. And that's just not nearly as fucking profitable. Right. right. So it's not going to happen. I mean, and we, because what we need is we need to solve this problem first. Number one, not make money first. Number that's one. right. That's, that's right. That's right. And that is make the important thing. The number is like 99 on the list. Totally. 999. Well, 
Um, we're getting toward the end of our time here together. I do, though, want to give everybody the opportunity to just sort of, you know, if you have burning desires, what do you want to like about the show? So it's something that you that you you're walking away with. Um, that you really want everyone to walk away with? Like, what is the, the nugget of information? What is the takeaway here? Sean, you're up. Okay, well, I think it was a very interesting juxtaposition of the Last Supper moment, which was beautiful and, and mm-hmm. poignant and sad and all of that, with, you know, Ron Perlman shooting the comet, you'll never take <laughs> me alive, you know, and Michael right. Chiklis. <laughs> was great as a, as this hard right uh, patriot dude and oh, the yes. comet's hitting and he's like, there's only one story everyone's talking about today, topless urgent care centers. And that is like, <laughs> yeah, that is so perfect as to the way that the right wing media ecosystem works. It is yeah, even at the very is. last moment, like right when something really, really bad is happening that they are responsible for, they have some absurd, absurd deflection that people always <laughs> fall for, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, transgender uh, librarians. I mean, that's an example. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it just goes right. on and on like that. Like, you know, dra- like drag queen story hour. Like that's that's that was like a huge deal for them. And and this is this is the lurid insanity that is that is making us. That brings me to the very last thing I want to say, which is uh, the DiCaprio's improvised line at the end of the film that was also not in the script probably the most poignant line of the film. And that was, he says, the thing is, we really did have everything, yeah. didn't we, when you think about it? And so yep. that, was the, that, that, that was it for me because yes, we did have everything. We do have everything right now and we are losing it for no goddamn reason. Yep. Well yeah, said. That's what makes reality even sadder than the movie is because there is no meteor. It's mm-hmm. just us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And Penn, do you want to, uh, do you have anything like uh, burning desires, thoughts on the well, sort of so, closing yeah, thoughts? I guess if there's anything that people should take away from the movie is that we all have to deal with this eventually. If we don't deal with it, like it's going to end. And the sooner we deal with it, the better off we'll be in the future. But yeah, it's painful and no one wants to acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, we like if things don't change we are headed for human extinction and people are all going to die that's it that's it <laughs> that, yeah. that's it right <laughs> that's it uh we're laughing but of course it's not funny um joe what do you think uh, i think that's probably a good way to end it yeah it really um my Thoughts are that I don't think that this film will change the world, but I do think that it is really important. Um, your point earlier, Sean, about uh, about activism, uh, traditional activism, perhaps not being uh, not being or being too late or being ineffective. I do think that films like this it addresses the issue in, and I said this at the top. It addresses, I think, the issue in a, in terms that people can understand. Right? Um, it is truly a great mirror. You cannot, you can't watch that movie and not see yourself. You know, and, and I'm talking about me, Christoph. I'm not just talking about like obviously right wingers, right? But I'm as distracted by my phone as anybody else, yeah. right? Um, and so, and and I, uh, right, and and 
there's always something you could be doing more. Uh, I like to think that what we're trying to do here is so, at least an expression of desire to make things better. Um, I really think that it is, but you know, uh, but we are just few. And frankly, at the end of the day, it's a depressing film. Um, but also, and I think this is really important, as you said, Penn, cathartic. It's also very yeah. cathartic. It's also like, thank God someone is saying it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It definitely has yeah. that vibe as well. This isn't okay. Exactly. It's never been okay, and it's not going to fucking be okay again if we keep acting the way we're acting. Exactly. Right. And in un no uncertain terms, in no uncertain terms, it said that. And I think that a lot of the reasons why a lot of people don't like, didn't like it for X, Y, and Z reason is precisely because it does that. Yeah. And it does so right in your face without any, without frankly, with, with not that much nuance, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a nuanced way to do it, but the ideas are not nuanced. The new, they literally say, we are all gonna fucking die over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, I'd like to remind you that if you like our show to make sure to subscribe, leave a review, check out our Patreon and tell your friends to listen. New episodes post Mondays at noon Eastern on YouTube and all the major podcast channels. And we also publish new articles weekly in our journal at theradicalsecular.com. I'm Christoph Defoe. Thank you for being here. And remember that wherever you are, you can be radically secular. Radical Secular Podcast is written and produced by Christoph Defoe, Sean Prophet, and Joe Okipinti. Logo and main title design by Tim Stetner. Post-production and original theme music by Sean Prophet. Special thanks to our support team, Lindsay Brightman, Jillian Sky Jacobs, and Lori Field Okipinti. Thank you.